good. Amen. All right, let's take the Bibles this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. Uh, if you'll find your place. Brother Dave, would you care to go ahead and just flip that back on? We've got a bucket underneath there. I don't want to get uh, uh, too uh, crazy in here. So 2 Chronicles chapter 12. And uh, we are, if you see behind me on our banner, uh, you see that our theme for the year, prepared unto every good work. And we've been preaching a lot this year on that subject, being prepared and being prepared for uh, good works. And, of course, we are laying the groundwork uh, for what God is going to, Lord willing, do for us next year as far as getting that building put up. And so uh, uh, we've been preaching along those themes. So if you find your place, stand with me for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Second Chronicles chapter 12. I'm going to begin a reading in verse 13, and I'll read down through verse 16. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says, So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign. And he reigned seventeen years in the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama and Amoritus. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now the acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the books of Shemaiah the prophet and of Ido the seer concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Abijah his son reigned in his stead. We love you. We thank you. We praise you for allowing us to be in your house. Now, Lord, as we turn our attention, Lord, to the importance of your word, we ask God to speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you into this service. We want you here this morning. We want you moving. We want you working. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray, God, that you would draw them to yourself this morning. They would accept you before it's eternally too late. Those of us that are saved, I pray you'd allow the Word of God to change us and help us and to make us what we ought to be for you. We love you. We thank you. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Rehoboam, uh, if uh, you're familiar uh, with... Uh, uh, who uh, some of the Bible characters are, that name may ring a bell to you a little bit. Rehoboam, of course, was the son of King Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the earth outside of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Rehoboam, think about this, was the grandson of the great David. David, probably one of the greatest Bible heroes to ever live, and will be the man that won from the throne in Jerusalem. And what's interesting is you have this man named Rehoboam, who had such a strong pedigree in his genealogy. I mean, could you imagine uh, Solomon, the wisest man ever, who is your father? By the way, think about this for a minute. The book of Proverbs, if you read through that book, you know what title is addressed more than anything in that book? My son, my son, over and over and over again. My son, my son, my son. Hey, we can say this. The book of Proverbs was written from Solomon to Rehoboam. Think about that for a minute. One of the wisest men, one of the uh, tremendous books of the Bible that's just jam-packed, filled with wisdom. And then, of course, King David being your grandfather. And isn't it such a sad verse that we see in verse 14? And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now, folks, listen. This is our year of preparation for what God wants us to do in the future. 
We're preparing spiritually. Uh, we're having things like prayer on the property. We're preaching along the themes of preparation. Hey, we're preparing financially. We're taking special offerings. We're raising finances through some other sources. Hey, we're preparing physically. We got building plans started. We got site preparation going on. And all that goes into a building project. But here's the question I want to ask us this morning. Are we personally preparing by making sure that our hearts are prepared to seek the Lord? By the way, what's that even mean when it says he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord? That word prepared, it means to set up, establish, render sure, fashion, make provision. The heart, of course, when you read that in the Bible, most of the time it does not refer to that muscle beating our chest. The heart refers to our mind, our will, our emotions. It's the real us. It's how we think, how we feel, how we behave. That word seek means to frequent, follow, pursue, let me tell you what I believe that phrase means when it says he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the grandson of David, he didn't make God a priority in his life. Well, I'll even take it a step further. Amen? He didn't make God just a priority. He didn't make God the priority of his life. Now, I've used this illustration before, but listen to me. Let me tell you a wrong philosophy in the Christian life. There's a bunch of them out there, by the way. But here, here's a philosophy. Sometimes Christians talk to me, and we have conversation, and it seems like that Christians sometimes want to take God, and they want to kind of fit Him somewhere in their top ten list. And you know what? It, 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 as long as this isn't happening, this isn't happening, that isn't happening, then, you know, we're going to make time for God. Well, folks, let me just tell you something, all right? I don't believe God ought to be number one in your top ten list. I believe God ought to be outside of your top ten list. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe your top ten list ought to fit into God. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you, Rehoboam was like, he didn't prepare his heart. And by the way, he walked on some very, very dangerous ground. It's a dangerous thing when God's people put other things before their God. By the way, notice what happens when a person doesn't prepare his heart to seek after the Lord, we see this. It causes division. Division. There in Second the Chronicles chapter 10, you don't have to turn back there, but we see this, that Rehoboam went to Shechem, for to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. So Solomon, when he headed off the kingdom, listen, all of Israel, all 12 tribes, wanted to continue being united under their next king, Rehoboam. But guess what? That's not what happened. The Bible says that in, uh, further down in that chapter, and when all Israel saw that the king would not hearken to them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? And we have none in the inheritance of the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. And now David seated in thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. And then let me tell you what you find out. You find out that immediately the kingdom got divided. And by the way, it stayed divided. Amen. Those ten northern tribes were known as Israel. The two southern tribes were known as Judah. And listen, because Rehoboam wasn't prepared to seek after God, the kingdom was split. The kingdom was split. And did you pick up the verse there that we read toward the end of our text there? And it said how that uh, uh, Rehoboam, and there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Here's what the Bible says continually. All the time there was division. You know why? Because this man named Rehoboam didn't make God a priority in his life. And folks, let me help us this morning. Not having a prepared heart to seek the Lord will cause division in your home. It will cause division in your church. It will divide your relationship. And most importantly, it will cause division in your relationship with God Almighty. Amen. So important as Christians 
that we don't, that we, that we have a prepared heart, and that we keep God a priority. Not only does it cause division, but you know what else it causes, folks? It causes destruction. Amen. Destruction. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, it says, So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up to Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all, he carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. I mean, come on, you go back and you read about that great structure known as the temple that Solomon made. There was never a structure on planet earth like that temple Solomon made. Never. I mean, that was one of the most magnificent, most expensive structures any person's ever constructed. Man, you talk about a pinnacle that was supposed to represent the God of heaven. But you want to find out real quick, one generation later, because a man, his heart wasn't prepared to seek after God, it was destroyed. Now they didn't, at that time, flatten it to the ground. That was later on. But isn't it interesting? You know what they started doing? They started picking it apart. They started destroying all those vessels, burying them away. And what was once set apart for the use of God is now in the hands of a heathen king. You know why? Because of the destruction that comes by not making God a priority. And not only that, does uh, not preparing your heart to seek after the Lord, it will cause you to do things you never thought you would be a part of. If you will, go to 1 Kings chapter 14. Flip over there. And this, of course, is the parallel passage there in Kings telling the same story about Rehoboam. A few more details given. First Kings chapter 14. The Bible says in verse 22, 1 Kings 14, 22. If you, if you didn't get over there, that's okay. Just listen. The Bible says in Judah, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice this. And they provoked him to jealousy with the sins which they have committed above all that their fathers had done. By the way, let me just stop and kind of take a time out for a minute. Just remind you something. That one of the titles God gives to himself is that of being jealous. That of being jealous. By the way, he has every right to be jealous of anything that would take the place of the lives and his children that the, he only Amen. ought to have. Yep. Amen. He has a right to be jealous. Right. He has a right to uh, be offended when God, his own children, who he loved, who he gave everything for, starts putting stuff, cheap, cheap substitutes in the place that only God should have. Amen. Let me tell you, people today are still doing the same exact thing. The Bible says that uh, they did evil and they provoked God to jealousy. And here's what else it says, verse 23. For they also built them high places and images and groves on every high hill and under every green tree. And when we read that in our, our day and age, that doesn't necessarily uh, make a lot of sense to us until you start studying the pagan culture of all those nations around Israel and what they were doing by building those high places, those images, those groves on every high hill, never every green tree. They literally were worshiping false deities instead of God Almighty, worshiping the false deities of all the false little g-gods all around them. Look at verse 24. This goes hand in hand, by the way. There were also Sodomites in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. By the way, that's not a coincidence. That verse is after verse 23. Because a lot of these pagan rituals they were involved in, who was a part of that? Immorality and sodomy was a part of all that stuff. By the way, it kind of reminds me of the land we're living in. Amen? 
And then the further we get from God, the, the, the more that wicked sin starts to prevail itself. And let me tell you why, folks. We can look at the world all we want. We can blame the world all we want. But let me tell you where the blame lies. It blames on the lives of God's people because God's people aren't the salt light we ought to be. And instead of making God a priority, everything else seems to have precedence over God in our lives. And Rehoboam did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. I want you to turn your Bible this morning. Let's go to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. Because all that was introduction. That wasn't even the message this morning. Amen? Y'all nervous yet? All right? That's okay. It's all good. Amen? Listen, I, I am a... Uh, they say I preach an average of about 65 mile an hour with an occasional gust over 100. Amen? And uh, I will probably preach you two sermons in one. All right? Uh, but uh, Psalms chapter 57... And I want you to notice some things here because this is where we're going with the message this morning. Because as much as Rehoboam did not prepare his heart to seek God, I'm glad that's not the only examples God gives us in His Word. Amen? Because notice here what it says. Three times in the book of Psalms, we find the phrase I'm going to read to you in Psalms 57, verse 7. Of course, the author of this psalm was none other than the great King David. And here's what he says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalms 57, verse 7. Man, I love this verse. Here's what he says. He says this, My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. And then Psalms 108, verse 1, here's what it says. If you don't have time to turn over there, just listen. It says this, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. And then Psalms 112, verse 7, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Let me tell you, I love how the Bible... Folks, listen. We cannot improve on what God's done with His Word. Amen? It's a divine book. It's interwoven divinely all throughout the Word of God, all throughout the Scripture. Let me tell you what's interesting about those words. That word fixed, you look it up in the Hebrew... It's the same word as what we read when it said Rehoboam prepared not his heart. The exact same word. So prepared not his heart was the negative. Being fixed is the positive. The exact same Hebrew word. It comes from the Hebrew word uh, uh, pronounced kum. And it means to set up, establish, fasten, be fitted, make provision. And just as his grandson Rehoboam did not prepare his heart... King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, was the one whose his heart was fixed. Amen? And here's the title of the message this morning, How to Have a Fixed Heart. How to Have a Fixed Heart. Now, no, this isn't a message about cholesterol and exercise. Amen? All right? I'm not talking about the physical heart. I'm talking about that spiritual heart that every single one of us have. How to have a fixed heart. Hey, if anyone knew what it was to have a fixed heart toward God, it was David. It was David. It was said of David in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This, of course, was uh, uh, God's uh, 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 recommendation uh, about David. It says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue talking to Saul. The same with the prophet was prophesying against Saul and his disobedience. But here's what it says. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. After his own heart. And David was known as a man after God's own heart. By the way, if anybody has the authority of having a fixed heart, it was King David. By the way, let me just say this, church. If God has your heart, He's got the rest of you. Amen? If He's got your heart, He's got the rest of you. I think sometimes we focus so much on all the other things God expects. 
By the way, I think we should. I we think we should ignore those things. Those things are important. But here's the problem. We're trying sometime to do something on the outside when something ain't fixed right on the inside. Listen, God wants your heart. By the way, is the outside important? You better believe it's important. Amen? I love how sometimes carnal Christians want to justify certain behaviors. Oh, uh, God looks on the heart. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, guess what? You're, you're absolutely right. God does look on the heart. But guess who can't? I can't look at you this morning and see your spiritual condition. I can't. I don't have that ability. Only God does. But you know what I can see is a reflection sometimes of the heart? Come on now. What is it? The outward appearance. Amen? So I'm all about, as a Christian, the things we ought to do, the things we shouldn't do. But truth be told, listen, if all we're concerned about is those things without God having our heart, we're nothing but a Pharisee. God wants our hearts. Amen? Remember what Jesus said when he was asked the question of Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart. With all thy soul. With all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The first thing God wants us all to do, and I believe it wasn't an accident, God put that in there first, was to love Him with all our heart. Luke 6.45, the Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. The Bible teaches us that the heart is the spring from which everything else flows out of. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So I want to give you some very practical things this morning on how to have a fixed heart. Or should we say this, how to make God the priority in your life. Amen? How to have a fixed heart. These points are coming right out of the Psalms where it talks about uh, where it talks about the fixed heart. Let's go back to Psalms chapter fifty-seven. If you if you left there, three simple things this morning on how to have a fixed heart. Here's what the Bible says: Psalms fifty-seven, verse seven. Let me reread the verse. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. It's very very interesting what follows that phrase. Here's what he says: I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake up, sultry in heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. And then the parallel passage in Psalms 108. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, awake sultry in heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praise unto thee among the the nations. Let me tell you what's linked directly with being right with God. Let me tell you what's linked directly with being spirit-filled. Let me tell you what's linked directly with having a fixed heart toward God. You know what it is? The right song. The right song. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, word is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the very next verse says... Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you, okay, church, by the way, just to remind y'all, I think you know this, 
But just remind you, you're in a Bible preaching church, amen? Right? We're not in a political, correct, what the culture's doing type church, amen? We're in a Bible preaching church, and guess what we do around here? We preach the Word of God. Like it, lump it, pout, shout, I don't care, I'm preaching it if the Bible says it, amen? So here we go. Let me give you a reality check in the Christian life, okay? The right kind of music will either draw you closer to God, or the wrong kind of music will push you away from God. Oh, yeah. Amen. Oh yeah. Listen, folks. When we when when the right when we put the right kind of song in our life, the right kind of music in our life, you know what that tells God? God, I'm making you a priority. And God, I want you, God, to be a priority in my life because being right with God is linked directly to having the right song in your life. By the way, music is important to God. You realize it's mentioned over five hundred times in the Bible. Five hundred times. This is what I always say. If God mentions it once in his, in, in his eternal inspired word, we better pay attention because God put it in there. But if God repeats something over and over, and for dead sure, if he talks about something over 500 times, you know what he's saying? Hey, Christian, you better get it. You better get it, amen? It's important. And that's why we should not be surprised when Satan tries to corrupt it. Right? You know this because I teach this. I preach this all the time. But Satan's goal is not to be opposite of God. You know that, right? Satan's goal is to be so much like God, he deceives everybody. And for everything good God has, Satan has a cheap substitute for it. By the way, you study the history of Lucifer, who he was. The Bible teaches this in the book of Ezekiel, that when he was in heaven, he was the anointed cherub that covered the, the, the throne of God. And the Bible tells us that within him, God created pipes and tablets. Literally, Satan is a musical instrument. And by the way, think about this for a minute. I, I, here's, here's what I believe. I believe Satan's substitute, his, his cheap substitute for what the Holy Spirit of God does because it's such a parallel as he controls us and he leads us is the wrong kind of music. Right. I believe Satan used the wrong kind of music right. to yeah. control people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By the way, folks, that ain't just some preacher saying it. That's actually been proven scientifically. It's, it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, come on, think about it for a minute. All right? When people are trying to get in certain mindsets, what's the first thing they do? They try to they, they listen to music, right? Because it changes their thinking. It changes a mindset. I mean, have you ever seen a football game and, and all those divas walk into the field? You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll dress like whatever they're dressed like. And uh, some of them dress like clowns and all kinds of Halloween costumes. They wear that stupid stuff. You know what they're always doing? Every single one of them to a T, they got their music in. You know why? Because they're trying to create a mindset so they can go out there and play some stupid game. Amen? Let me tell you something, folks. Music is important. And Satan will use it. And I'm going to tell you, folks, if you want your heart fixed on God, you better get the right music in your life. I did a little research. The number one song of, as of this week in 2023 on the charts is a song called, by the way, it's not Amazing Grace. I'll tell you that. It wasn't anything we sang this morning here, I can tell you that. It's a song called Vampire. Okay? I don't listen to that kind of stuff. I don't want to listen to that kind of stuff. But I did want to see what the lyrics said, so I Googled the lyrics. Those lyrics, folks, I wouldn't even read them to you from this poem. They're filled with immorality, profanity, and Satanism. And that's the number one song in the country right now. And by the way, you got your seatbelt on? Some of you probably listened to it this week. Oh, I know that hurts, amen. But you need to be in a good Bible preaching church that tells you that kind of stuff. Listen, that kind of stuff doesn't bring honor to God. Right. Song number two. Again, I'm not even going to say its name. I didn't want to say its name. 
Lyrics filled with alcohol, immorality, profanity. Is it any wonder our world is a mess? Is it any wonder people are feasting on that stuff? It's going in, and by the way, you know what I'm saying? It's corrupting their heart away from God. And even sad to say, even Christians are pulling away from God because they don't have the right song in their life. You want to have the you want your heart fixed on God? Fill it with the right song. Amen. And by the way, God doesn't leave that up into our opinion of what the right music is. He tells us psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Okay? Now there's a little bit of variety going on there. Amen? And understand within those three categories, there's different types of music. I understand that. But they all ought to fall under the umbrella of bringing glory and honor to God. Amen? Not pumping up the flesh. Not pumping. Listen, here's how you know if it's from God. If it glorifies and gratifies the flesh, not from God. Not from God. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe if a person would walk by and they would hear the music of a church, I believe they ought to know immediately that they're in a place where God's glorified, not some local honky-tonk or some stinking rock concert. Amen? You ought to be able to walk by a church if you were blind and heard the music and knew that it was the right kind of place that brought glory and honor to God. We're preaching today, man. So you want to have your heart fixed on God? Number one, have the right song. Number two, trust in the right strength. Back to our text, Psalms 108. Psalms 108. The Bible says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing, give praise, even with my glory. So the psalm starts out by saying that the, his heart was fixed on God. And as you begin to journey through the psalm, you see things that resulted in having his heart fixed on God. And it says in verse 6, that thy beloved, Psalms 108, verse 6, that thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand and answer me. Verse 12, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Verse 13, through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that the tread down our enemies. And folks, on and on throughout those psalms, it talks about how that God is our strength. Let me tell you one of the secret lives. Uh, one of the secrets of the Christian life to not becoming bitter. Let me tell you one of the secrets of the Christian life to not allowing discouragement to overtake you. To, to not just existing in the Christian life, but being a warrior God wants us all to be and successfully combat the enemy. You know what that secret is, I believe, is this. The source of your strength. The source of your strength. Listen, folks. Tapping into the right power source is key to keeping your heart fixed. I don't know about y'all. I can't do this Christian life without God. I no way. And you know why? Because I know me. And I'm wicked as hell. My flesh is wicked as hell. And I can't do this without God's power and without God's strength. Listen, none of us. Jesus said it when He said, without me, He can do nothing. We can't accomplish anything without God's help and God's strength. I can tell you what, not, what the source of strength is not. It's not self. How about this? Okay, I've been, been dropping some truth bombs this morning. Let me drop another one. Proverbs 28, 26. in his own heart is a fool. I didn't say it. God did. By the way, back to music. You know a lot of the worldly music says today? I mean, come on now. From the stupid Disney stuff to all the other stuff. You know, what's a big popular slogan of the day? How about this? Trust your heart. Follow your heart. Be true to self. That's not what God says. God says you trust in your own heart. You're a fool. And that's what God said. Listen, the source of your strength does not come from within. Yourself. Amen? 
about this? The source of strength isn't from others. Now listen, folks, I believe God can use us to encourage other people. I believe you can help other people. I believe, yes, God can use you to be there to help somebody. But listen to me, that's not the source of strength. The Bible says this, give us help from trouble. Psalms 108 verse 12 in our text. Listen now, for vain is the help of man. Okay? Now listen, folks, sometimes in life when I'm down, somebody will come and help me out, and I'm thankful for that. But they're not always there. Right? I like what David said. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You understand something, folks. If you're only depending upon, you're only going to do certain things because other people either are for you or whatever, truth be told, you're going to be in it that long. Because there may be times where people are for you. I tell you, there are going to be a lot of times where people are not for you. Right. So you're going to quit on God? Oh my goodness, offended you? <laughs> you know that people aren't church anymore because they got offended. Listen to me, folks. If you're right with God, the Bible says nothing can offend you. I didn't say it. God said it. Blessed are they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So when Christians get their little feelings hurt because they get offended, you know what that tells me? They don't love the Word of God. I didn't say it. God said it. Amen? Listen to me, folks. The source of strength isn't others. And I'll tell you this. The source of strength sure isn't Satan. Now, Satan's got some power. You better believe he does. In fact, a lot of people in this day and age are getting sucked into occultism and Satanism because Satan offers people temporary power. I'm not going to tell you he doesn't have power. He's got power. I'm going to tell you, folks, it's not the true power and it's not the lasting power. And God's power is way greater than anything Satan can offer. How do we know that? Well, again, guess what? we got Bible. Exodus chapter 7. And Pharaoh also called the wise men, the sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantment. So Moses is before uh, uh, Pharaoh doing some miracles that God gave him power to do. You know what's interesting? For a time, Satan's uh, uh, ministers, these ministers of Pharaoh, copied, remember what I said, cheap substitute, right? Copied some of the miracles. They did because Satan gave them some power. By the way, there is power in some of that stuff. I'm not telling that's why as Christians, we need to be simple concerning evil and stay away from that stuff. Yeah. And I can't believe how many, uh, even Christians I've heard, that, 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 that uh, are involved in things that have to do with the occult. By the way, we're, I'm, I've already ticked some of you off. That's okay. So let's just go all the way. This morning. <laughs> okay? Listen now. That means there's certain things you shouldn't be in your house. You know what one of them is? Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, I said it. Yeah. Pokemon. All that stuff has to do with the occult. Wake up, folks. You allow occultic things in your house, you're kicking doors open for satanic oppression to your house and to your children. Amen? Now listen, as a Christian, I don't believe you can be demon-possessed if you're saved because you've got the Spirit of God living in you. But you sure can't kick open doors and allow the oppression of devils because of things you have in your life. Amen? You need to get rid of that stuff. Amen? You need to do what what we used to call an old-fashioned... Burn barrel revival. Amen. You know what that means? You start gathering stuff up and you take it to a burn barrel. Amen. Amen. That's what we, come on. By the way, that's Bible too. Amen. Amen. Book of Acts. Yeah. Book of Acts. Listen, Satan's got power. I have no doubt about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, folks. The type of power he has, it's very temporal and it's nothing compared to the power of God. So what is the secret of, uh, of, of, of having a fixed heart? 
It's tapping into the right power source. What is that power source? The Bible tells us what that power source is. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare Him in habitation. My Father's God. I will exalt Him. Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Psalms 108, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Let me tell you what our source of strength is as Christians. It's the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. It's our power source comes from God. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So come on, throw out all those stupid self-help books. you got the best self-help book you'll ever need. It's called your King James Holy Bible. Amen. Tap into the power source. You're going to have a fixed heart. Number one, you've got to have the right song. Number two, you've got to trust in the right strength. And last of all, number three, You've got to stay focused on the standard. What am I talking about? Go back to our text here. There's one word in this verse. When I read this this week, it just lit me on fire. Amen. I love it. Psalms 108, verse 13. Notice what it says. And by the way, this is the end result of having your heart fixed on God. This is where, what's going to happen if you have the right song, if you trust in the right strength. Here's what's going to happen. Look what it says in verse 13. Through God, we shall do, say that word with me, you ready? Valiantly. Man, I love that word. Through God, we shall do valiantly. For He it is that does tread down our enemies. And that word standard that I said, when I said focused on the, on the standard, uh, the word standard, it simply means this, that which is established by sovereign power as a rule or measure by which others are to be adjusted. Think about that. It is a, it, it, it's, the, um, it's the, uh, the sovereign power as a ruler measure, the, the, the rule which is established by sovereign power, which others are to be adjusted. So here's what God says, okay? I've got something that, God says I've got a standard that's set, okay? And here's the standard for you as God's child whose heart is fixed. You know what that standard is? For you to do valiantly. Now listen, folks, this isn't some you know, big curly whites, best life now garbage. No, I'm talking about God has established some things. By the way, that word valiantly, it means force, strength, strong, power. You know what that means? God expects His church, yes, even in 2023, yes, even when this world's going to hell in a handbasket, yes, when it seems like the forces of darkness may be winning, God expects His church in 2023 to do valiantly. That's the standard, amen? To be a powerful force against the enemies of darkness and set this world aflame with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And again, you, you're, you go to my church, you hear me say this a lot, amen? Listen, the church here isn't supposed to be on defense, it's supposed to be on offense. Amen? Think about it. What are gates? Gates are defensive weapons. So what's that mean? If the gates of hell aren't supposed to be prevailing against the church, the church of Jesus Christ ought to be storming the gates of hell. That's called doing valiantly. That's what God expects. That's the standard by which He wants for us as His people to live by, yes, even in 2023. That's what He wants. Amen? 
Listen, I could care less what everybody else is doing. I could care less what other churches are doing. I'm concerned about what this church is doing. Because this is the church God's put me over. You're the people. I'm the under-shepherd underneath the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And as long as I'm not the helm, I want to do valiantly. I want to do valiant things for God. Amen? I want to be going forward. I want to be taking ground. Hey, I want to be literally stealing souls out of the devil's backyard. That's what we ought to be doing, amen? Doing valiantly. By the way, you can do that if your heart is fixed, if your song is right, and you're tapped into the right strength, you can stay focused on the right standard, and that's doing valiantly for God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I love it, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, the power of God, and to salvation, to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 15, 19, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to a, 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 a Lycurium, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, Paul said, listen to me, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm going out, and I'm accomplishing these things. Why? Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The power of the Spirit of God. Listen, folks, God gives us as His people power to do His work. I love that word power. It comes from the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. Amen? Let me tell you, folks, when you stay focused on the right standard and you want God to use you to do valiant things, He'll give you the dynamite power to get it accomplished. Amen? Listen, folks, souls aren't changed and lives aren't altered by my opinion or yours. That's not what saves a soul. Okay? Listen, folks, from time to time, I give you a little bit of riserology. Amen? Let me tell you, it ain't what I believe. It's what the Bible says. It's the standard God has set. And let me tell you what the standard is. It's still the same as it was when Jesus Christ was here 2,000 years ago. It's to His death. It's His burial. It's His resurrection. And He can and still will and does change lives today. Souls are saved and lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you want to keep your heart fixed and not be like Rehoboam? And have an unprepared heart that leads to nothing but sorrow, heartbreak, and destruction. But come on, folks. You know what we've got to do? We've got to keep a fixed heart. Amen? We've got to keep a fixed heart. We've got to have the right song. We've got to trust in the right strength. And we've got to stay focused on the right standard. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning.